The mystery of Christmas. Why would a God who can speak seven sextillion stars into existence with a single word want to come down out of heaven, take on the form of a six, seven, maybe eight, nine pound baby, and come into our lives? Well, as the video has told us, God wants to know us. And he wants us to know him. The greatest discovery that you can make on Christmas is to understand that God wants to know you and he wants you to know him personally. You know, but when we finally kind of get to that point, one of our reactions is, is you know, we, 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 have, we have one of several different reactions among many folks. For some of us, we will bemoan the fact that it's, it's so hard to get to that very simple, basic, but life-changing truth. That what Christmas really tells us is that God wants to know us and he wants us to know him. And we get frustrated with the way that we celebrate Christmas today, you know, with all the commercialism and the parties and the gifts and the activities. And, and life just gets to be so busy. It's hard for us to really kind of boil down and get at this wonderful life-changing message. And, and we think that all this stuff gets in the way of discovering the meaning of Christmas for ourselves. Others of us, we, we hear stories like Bob's about being away from God and then really clearly personally sensing the presence of God. It, and we say, well, I've never had that experience. You know, I, 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 it, it, I don't think I ever really kind of get that sense that God knows me and I really know God. I, I think I believe in God. I, I do some religious things, but I don't think I really know God. And I'm not sure if I ever really can. And what I'd like to do tonight is we, if you will, prepare for the celebration of the remembrance of the arrival of Christ into our world. The chance for us to know the Creator who can speak 7,000, 7 sextrillion stars into existence in a moment. I want to try to give you just a couple of handles about how you can personally discover the mystery of Christmas. That God wants to know you and wants for you to know Him. And, and, one, and I, I'm not going to read any more Bible texts. We've read a lot today. You guys have had enough of your calisthenics up and down through all the songs and the Scripture readings and suffice for your workout at the gym. But, but I do want to draw some truths out of what we've read together tonight. And first of those is that, you know, we, we bemoan the fact that, that our lives seem to kind of be like the no vacancy zone that we see in the original Christmas story, right? And what I want to tell you is that if you're going to personally discover the meaning of Christmas for yourself, it's going to take some initiative. It's going to take some effort. You're going to have to dig a little bit. Somehow or another, I think we experience, think we're just going to be walking down the road one day and God's just going to jump out from behind a bush and say, boy, here I am, believe in me. And, and it's just going to be a big surprise. The Christmas story tells us that's not the way it works. Think about it. We believe that God is sovereign over the universe, right? In the Old Testament, we see God summoning the superpowers of the day to come do his will. You know, he's summoning the Assyrian Empire. He's summoning the Babylonian Empire to come do his, his will. The scripture, so he's in charge of everything. Scripture tells us that he had planned Christmas from before the creation of the world, before the first of the stars ever popped into the sky. God had a plan to bring his son into the world. And it happened in the fullness of time, the scripture tells us, exactly when God wanted to have it happen. And what was that time like? It was like a time full of no vacancy, right? I mean, the scripture tells us they were in the midst of a, of a census. The Roman government wanted to make sure they were squeezing every penny they could out of the Jews. So they had ordered for there to be a, a census or an enrollment. And every single Jew had to travel to their hometown to be registered to make sure that they could get all the money they could out of them in terms of taxes. That's a lot of people. 
Our best estimates at that point in time that the city of Jerusalem had somewhere between 750,000 and 1 million people. And that was just the city. Now spread that out across all of the rest of Israel in the day, the northern east area around Galilee. And on the roads that day, traveling to their homes, there could have been anywhere up to a half a million people traveling by foot. It was chaos. It was chaos. So when Mary and Joseph, who had traveled probably four or five days to get there, 85 to 90 miles on foot, with a heavily pregnant woman. They would have been lucky to get there in four to five days. When they arrive in Bethlehem, there's no space left. The, the city is just a world. You know, you can just kind of transplant some of our 21st century stuff backwards. You know, you could, you could, you know, the, the, the inn's got a no vacancy sign hanging out front, but the innkeeper's scrambling around to try to take advantage of everything he can. He's trying to be industrious and squeeze out all he can out of this great opportunity. So he, he finds them a room out back in the inn. Well, like today, I got stuck in a snowstorm earlier this year, you know, up in Vermont. That late October storm, an unoccupied hotel was overflowing within a couple of hours. And I got one of the last rooms to spend the night after I hit somebody on the highway. You know, and you could just imagine that there's there's signs on the street in front of the cobbler shop, you know, with people traveling on this way and there's, you know, on their feet, you know, their sandals are falling apart and they're, they're having, you know, these morning specials from 8 a.m. to 1 p.m., you know, where you can get 20% off of all sandal repair, you know, and, or you buy one, you get one half price, you know, a pair of sandals. And, and they're all trying to take advantage. It's just absolute chaos. And God says, perfect time. Let's have the sun born. In fact, let's not even put them out in a major place. Let's tuck them around back in the, in the barn. Jesus is one of the few people probably in history who could say, I really was born in a barn. It's interesting that here God, who's been planning this from the beginning, before the beginning of the, of the planet, before the creation ever began, he's got this whole thing planned, and he picks the perfect time, and he picks the time when everything is out of control. The message is, it takes effort to find God. It takes effort to find God. Jesus himself said, I, I came to seek and to save that which was lost. Jesus came to give effort. Every single character that we experienced in the first Christmas event had to expend some effort to find God. Mary and Joseph had to travel to get there. Days. The wise men, they had to travel for months to get there. Even the shepherds, after they had heard the story, you know, the, the angels proclaiming this incredible word to them, they had to get up and go into the city to see them. Simeon, who's in the, the temple, waited, been told that he's going to get to see the Messiah before he, he, gets, before he mo- leaves the planet through death. He's looking around. He's, he's on guard. He's look- Every single person has to exert some effort. You know, if you and I want to discover personally the mystery of Christmas, that God has come for us to know him and for us to really know him. You've got to put some effort into it. It's not going to happen by accident. There's never going to come a time where God's just going to stop the planet so that you can have some time to figure out whether you believe about God. You've got to do it in the midst of life. You've got to find some time, just like the people in the days of Jesus had to do. You wonder about those people in Luke chapter 2, verse 18, who heard the report of the shepherds. It says that they were amazed, but you wonder if they ever did anything about what they heard. I think there's a second great truth we can pick out of tonight's message that will help us personally discover the mystery of Christmas for ourselves, that God loves us and he wants us to know his love. And the, first, the second is that you and I really need to recalibrate what we consider to be God's sightings. You know, we're, we're, we're often like the people of Jesus' day. Jesus, give us a sign so we can believe. We're, we're waiting for God to do this spectacular. And guess what? God's out back lying in the manger in the barn. Not very impressive. Not very dramatic. Not a lot of glory to it. Might elicit a little pity. Maybe a little compassion. But it's not going to overwhelm anybody with saying, Wow, look what God did. Some of us are really looking for those wow moments. 
I think we need to recalibrate what we consider to be a God sighting. Let me give you just an example. Throughout our pews, out in our lobby, our Bibles. We pick up the Bible, we read it, it's a God sighting. We discover the mystery of Christmas for ourselves by putting ourselves into the Word. Bob told you that he came on that Easter a couple of years ago and, and left here and he told Gail that he wanted to go find a Bible for himself. So off they went to Barnes & Noble to get a large print Bible. And it wasn't too long after that. I, I kind of got wind that Bob had bought a Bible. He'd come to church a few more times. And, you know, he was telling me he was reading some things and stuff. And I said, well, if you ever want to get together and talk about it, I'd, I'd love to do that. And he said, when I get done reading it cover to cover, then I'll be in. And he was. But in that reading of the Scripture, he had a God sighting. Sometimes we're, 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 we're waiting for the dramatic we're waiting for the fireworks of God to arise over the city of Jerusalem and for the, the, the Messiah to waltz in on chariots out of heaven and to be laid on a golden crib, you know, kind of idea. And yet God's already shown up in the manger out back. I think if you'll replay the tapes of your own life, you'll see lots of God sightings already where God's trying to say, I'm here. I love you. I want you to know my love and I want you to love me. So it takes effort. And we have to recalibrate what we really understand to be a God sighting. I think we also need to embrace the purpose of the Advent. Why in the world did Jesus come in the first place? You know, we're not going to understand the mystery of Christmas if we don't understand why Jesus came in the first place. There's probably lots of ways to express that out of the Scriptures, but probably none so clear as to say the Son of Man came to seek and to save that which was lost. You and I aren't ever going to embrace the, the mystery. We're never going to discover the mystery of Christmas unless we embrace the purpose of Christmas, that Jesus came to save us because we're lost. Now, it's probably not very surprising to you that most people don't have any, any real problem with being saved if it's going to involve going to heaven and living forever. Most people are in on that. You know, I haven't asked too many people over the journey to say, do you want to spend eternity in hell or in heaven? And most people say, I, I opt for hell. I, I haven't met too many people that way. What we really struggle with, with the purpose of Christmas, is lostness. Some of us, we really struggle to understand that we really are lost. You know, we, 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 we understand that, you know, we're not perfect but we're trying to be good to our fellow man. We, we do some religious things. We try to be good people. We're working at it hard. And we're trying to be faithful to our families and all these kinds of things. And, and certainly God takes it all into consideration. And, and I'm kind of okay. There's only one problem. The scripture says that our righteousness, the very, 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 very best that we can be, looks filthy in the eyes of God, as the prophet Isaiah tells us in the 64th chapter. You know, and so when we struggle with our lostness, it, it's hard. You, know, you don't need to get rescued if you're not lost. You don't need to get saved if you're not lost. We, we, we struggle with experiencing the message, the mystery of Christmas, because we struggle with whether or not we're really lost in the first place. It's interesting, though, that people that we would look at and say these are some of the most righteous people who have ever walked on the planet in our time would tell you they needed the Savior. They'd be people like Mother Teresa who would tell you that she didn't want to stand before God without, standing, without having a Savior standing between her and the Father. Or a person like Billy Graham who said, I'm, I, I could never be good enough to get into heaven. I need a Savior to rescue me. Others, we look at this issue of lostness and we say, you know what? I'm beyond hope. It's one of the things that breaks my heart the most when I meet people. Some of them say, I, I'm beyond hope. I've, I've done so much stuff in my life. There's, there's no way that God could ever love me, that I could ever experience the love of God in my heart. And I want to tell you, you couldn't be more wrong tonight. If God can step out of heaven into a crib in the form of a seven to eight pound baby to redeem the world and to do all of that while the world were enemies of God, as the scripture tells us, he can love you and he does love you. So I want to challenge you to personally experience and discover for yourselves the mystery of Christmas tonight. I want you to consider this message that you heard a God sighting. It's 
an opportunity for you to respond. I want to challenge you to confront your lostness. To say, you know, I, I, I need a Savior. And to take an action. To confess your sin to God. And place your faith in Jesus Christ as your Savior and God. As Savior and Lord. You know, Bob talked about an action. We had an altar call. And we don't do those very often. We don't even usually call them an altar call. But we had an opportunity for people just to say, I'm at the moment, I need to take an action. Just like finding Jesus in the manger took action on the part of every single person. I challenge you to take an action tonight. If, if you haven't ever personally discovered the meaning of Christmas, there are in the pews in front of you these, car, these cards that look just like this. And I challenge you to take the action of taking it out, just putting your name on it with some contact information. And as you leave tonight, out in the lobby, there's a response table out there. There's going to be an elder out there, one of our church leaders. You can just hand them the card. And they have a Bible that you can take. It has some suggested reading materials. It gives you guidance on how to take action and moving forward. And really understanding and discovering for yourself the mystery of Christmas. God came that we might know Him. And that he might know us. God came because he loved us and wants us to know his love. And he wants us to love him. God came because he does not want us to be separated from him in our lostness. But he wants us to be saved by him into his family. Discover the mystery of Christmas tonight. How the creator of the entire universe stepped out into heaven. Into the form of a helpless child. So that you might be the child of God forever. Let's pray together. God, thank you that you are a God of mysteries. But like the Apostle Paul says, that you've unveiled those to us. And through your word and through the actions of Christ, we can see your plan. God, we thank you that you love us. We thank you that you've done everything necessary to make it possible for us to live in a real and personal relationship with you. God, we give you our lives tonight as we confess our need to you, created by our sin. And we place our faith in Jesus, who is our Lord. And we celebrate you as the God that we recognize in the manger. This we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen.